Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on JRoot Radio. This is the Halakha Hour on Wednesday, Het Shivat, January 28th. We are here live on JRoot Radio. You can watch us and listen to us on jrootradio.com. You can also access the show on the phone if you call 3... No, not 317-508-506-9099. Also, you can download the app. If you already have the app, just put on the app. JRoot Radio just came out with an update. JRoot Radio Pro app. This is how you can access the show. And of course, the numbers to the station are 718-683-5858. That's to call in. We suggest you call in usually towards the end of the class. If there's any questions, any uh, pointers, we'd love to hear from you. And if you have and or if you have any questions by text, that's the simplest way to access or to reach us. It's by 347-927-8398. Today's class is dedicated for two purposes. Number one is Lalun Nishmat of David Wuniar, who was a friend of ours who here from the radio. And as well as we it's also for Rifu'ah Shalema of Rita Batfanya. Hashem should give her Rifu'ah Shalema betok she'ar hulay amo Yisrael. We are in the middle of the halachot in the Benish Hai, Parashat Vayishlah. This class, we learn off the Benish Hai, we work off the Benish Hai, and we try to explain the sources of the halachot. We also try, we try to explain the sources of the halachot, we also try to explain and clarify and make it applicable. That's really one of our two goals. To clarify the source of the halakhot and to bring them to halakha to make them applicable and that we could use them on a day-to-day. We work off the Benish High, we're in the middle of Parashat Vayishlah and we began a new subject, although it's in the middle of the parashat, but it's a new subject and the subject is the law the laws of Amir al-Akum. What one could tell the Goy on Shabbat. We already gave an introduction in the last two classes. Last week there was something with the internet and we, we couldn't be on. But two weeks ago, if you go to two weeks ago and three weeks ago, we gave a class, an introduction to the laws of Amir al-Akum. In the words of the, ben, of the Minhat Kohen, who wrote an unbelievable chapter. I don't say chapter, but a section in his book, Minhat Kohen. And he wrote... If those who understand Hebrew, he has an unbelievably clear Hebrew, especially those that like to learn Harakabayun, that Sefer Minhat Kohen on the Chot Amrala Akum is very or is highly recommended. It's highly recommended in general, but on the Chot Amrala Akum, he writes in the beginning, he says that these halakhot are spread out all over, and not only all over Shas, but they're all over as well as they're all over in the in the Shuhan Aruch, the spread out. So therefore, if a person is interested to find out these halakhot, you have to study a lot. As an introduction to the, what we're going to learn now, we're going to start going into the Benish Hai. I'm going to try to focus on Amira Lakum, on what one could tell the Goy, what one could hint to the Goy, today's halakha, and, uh, and, this, and the like. There's a lot of other halakhot that we will bring as a side point to understand our halakha, but Be'ezat shame, we will hopefully get to them eventually. We will get to them and give them the proper time and proper explanation, and that will happen in its time. But right now, again, we're focusing on Amriya Lakum. Okay, so now, before we get to that, we have a question. I don't want to leave them hanging. The question is, when is it mutar to tell a goy to put on a blech, an AC, or an AC? I think that's the question. What is a mutat to tell a goy when to put on the black or an AC? In general, I'd like to clarify and explain why, when, and what, but we will just give you a quick answer. A black is a little bit more complicated than an AC. Why? Because the black, which I'm, my understanding of the black, I hope everybody's understanding the same way, is that it's a stove top with a metal sheet on top. So you don't put on the black, you're actually putting on the stove top. Putting on the stove top is emlachad de oraita, which means it's forbidden from the Torah. You're not allowed to put on fire on Shabbat. In fact, that is the melacha that sticks out more than the other melachot. It says in, clearly in the Torah, lo teba'aru esh bechol moshbotechim. It's clearly de oraita. So to tell a goy to put on the fire is actually almost never mutar. There are cases when it's mutar for specific, special reasons. In the normal 
Shabbat to Shabbat cases, I don't think you have these cases. You don't have the time when you're going to be able to tell the goy. So therefore, a blach almost, I mean to say, the fire under the blach, kim'at, uh, almost always, you will never be able to tell the goy. In fact, if you don't tell the goy, even if you don't even hint to the goy, the goy does it on their own, they put on the fire for you, it will also be forbidden to use and benefit from on Shabbat. This is one case, the blach. The other case is the AC. AC is a little bit more lenient because the way the AC functions and also how do you categorize the AC. I'm not saying that everybody agrees on it, but if you're Sfaradi and you follow the opinion of Hakam Badia Yosef, Hakam Badia is matir for a person to tell a goy to put on the AC. Again, I'm not giving this halakha the proper time, but this is just halakha very quickly. In the special cases, Hakam Badia is matir to put on the AC. If it's very hot, you could tell a goy to put on the AC. Not all poskim agree to this, but of those who are Sfaradim certainly could rely on it. Uh, in the shul, you can certainly rely on it, if, if you're not Sfaradim. And those who are, what's it called? If you, we'll get to it, Bezat Hashem. Hopefully, we'll get, we'll get to explain why and when it's mutar. And like all cases, that we, all the time we said in the past, any time we give a halakha, any time we give a leniency, when it's mutar, we ask, please make sure you don't connect it, you don't apply it to any other area. If we said right now on... On, on the air, that you could tell a goy to put on the AC according to Hakam Abadiyah. This doesn't mean every single thing you could tell the goy to do. You can put on now the, something else. This is specifically for the AC. Hakam Abadiyah gives a special hetero when it's very, very hot. Okay, with that, we'll move on now to the halakhot inside the Ben Ishai. I'm going to try to do, if you're following the Ben Ishai, whenever you're listening to this, I know some people get the recording of this class, so when, if you're following with this Ben Ishai, you should know. I'm going to read the main parts that I believe are applicable to today or the parts which I believe will be connected to the subject that I want to speak about. Anything that I don't feel is so practical, I'm going to skip in order because I know most people are listening to this either in the car, driving, and they don't have a saver in front of them. And of course, there's a lot of ladies that are probably busy with the kids in the background, in the, in the carpool or whatever it is. So we want to make it as interesting as possible at the same time to keep it the class on the bandage high. So let's begin with Halakhatet. Parashal ve'yishlah shana shaniyah. Anything, here's a general introduction. We gave all these introductions already, but now we're going to see it inside. The Benishai writes, Anything that's forbidden for the Jew to do on Shabbat, One may not tell the Goy to do it on Shabbat either. Even by just hinting to him. And this word, Remez, hinting, is people have a big misconception about what Remez is. People think, Remez, as long as I don't tell him anything, the guy does it, everything becomes mutar. Amira is asur. For some reason, people think that Remez is mutar. That's not what the Gemara says. The Gemara says that Remez is also forbidden. Halakha brings down, Remez, hinting to go is forbidden. And like we said many, many times, hinting to go, even if you don't hint to go, and the guy does the melakha for you, it's also forbidden. Are there exceptions? Yes, there are exceptions. But here's the problem. When you take the exceptions and you make them the rule, that's when it becomes problematic. So we're going to see when the exceptions are, and we have to be careful not to apply the exceptions wherever we feel like. If there are cases that it's applicable for, or you, th- you might think that's applicable for, make sure you ask a competent rav. Here we go. This remez says the I don't think it's only with words. Don't think if you... Okay, so you tell me remez is asur, maybe if I hint to the goy and I tell him, oh, you know, it's dark in here, which alludes that, you know, you got to put on the, the light. I can't put on my light. And the goy puts it on. You might think, okay, that's a case where it's asur, where I'm speaking to the goy. What if I give him a remez without speaking? What does that mean? That means I rub my eyes. And then he understands that it's too dark in here. I can't see in, in here. And he puts on the light for me. Maybe that's mutar. No. Even a remez says the is high, which is just by movement of the hands or any part of your body, that's also forbidden. Even to allude to the goy, to hint to the goy, to tell another goy to do something for you, that's also forbidden. I translate that loosely, but that is the halakha. Now, here is a remez. We're going to see a remez right now, which is mutar. In the case of the Benish Hai over here, he brings down the case of a person 
a Jewish person who was owed money by another person who happens to be a Goy. And now the person sees that the Goy was available on Shabbat, you could have stopped him. The Goy comes to visit on Shabbat because he knows the Jew can't do anything to him on Shabbat. And the Jew is owed, let's say, $10,000 from this Goy. And he needs to get his money. So, to go up to him and tell him, give me my money, you're talking about, to talk about on Shabbat and to ask for money, that's a problem. But what about to tell another Goy? We just said, even to hint to another Goy, it's a problem. So, what could you do? So, the Benish High says over here, you know what you could do? You could do the following. You could... Be meramez to the goy after Shabbat. Here, let's see this case. You're allowed to tell a non-Jewish judge after Shabbat and tell him, I don't understand. Aren't you the judge? Don't you know that this person already filed and I told you that this person owes me money? How come you didn't do anything to this goy that came here last week? Why don't you stop him? Even though he understands, the, the judge now understands from this Jew, that the next week, next Shabbat when this guy comes, I'm going to have to stop him. It's still mutar. So, what's going on? You just told me, remez is asur, now you tell me, remez is mutar? What's, is this only by this case? Is this in general? So, let's take a little bit of time to clarify this halakha. We want to talk a little bit about Remazim, a little bit. This is again not the place for it, the real place for all these halachot, which Bazat Hashem, we hope to cover them in depth, is in Parashat Teruma. And Bazat Hashem, we will jump from Parashat Beislah. After we finish the rules of halachot of Amir al which is in Parashat Beislah and Benishai, we will jump to Parashat Teruma, even though it's not in order. But in order that we should keep it on the same subject, Amir al-Akum plus what you could tell the Goy or what you could have Hana'ah from Melechid Goy, we'll try to keep them all together to finish this way in one shot all the halakhot over Melakum. When it's going to happen, I don't know. I'm sorry, because the next week, next week is, I think, Tubishvat. Next, next week is exactly Tubishvat. And on Tubishvat, we like to speak a little bit about halakhot berachot. So that'll be next week. Make sure you tune in. We'll speak a little bit of halakhot berachot if you have any questions as well. And the following week after that, we have exactly two more or three more classes until we have to go into the halakhot of the holidays of Purim. And then once we get into Pesach, after Pesach we have already Hol Mu'ayit, Sfirat Omer. So it's going to be a while till we finish these halakhot. But still... Keep tuned. We'll give you a little bit of, uh, I guess, a preview today. Let's begin for, with laws. Quick halakhot of benefiting from what a goy does to you on Shabbat. Let's begin. Just like it's asur to tell the goy what to do on Shabbat, it's also asur for you to benefit from what a goy has done for you on Shabbat. Whether you told him or whether you not tell him. That's called Hana'am Melechet Goy Shabbat. Anytime the Goy does a Melecha for you on Shabbat, you're not, in general, the general rule is that you're not allowed to have Hana'ah from it. Now, what kind of Melecha are we talking about? What kind of thing did the Goy do for you? Well, that depends. If the Goy has done something for you that's Asur Minhat Torah, then whatever this thing was done, now, it couldn't, even if it wasn't done for you, it was done for any Jewish person, no Jew may benefit from that melacha on Shabbat. Let's give you an example. An example is, here's two, three examples. Number one is what, we, what the questioner asks. The goy comes and puts on the fire on Shabbat. He sees your block, he looks under the block, he sees that the fire is out. On his own, it could be a housekeeper, it doesn't make a difference who it is. On their own, they come, the goy comes and puts on the fire clearly for the sake of the Jew. The goy doesn't use that fire, it's clearly for the sake of the Jew. Then, no Jew may benefit from that fire on Shabbat. Even though there's a block on it, you can't warm up food on it, not you, not your neighbor, not your cousin, not anybody else. It's a melacha, which is forbidden from the Torah, and it was done for the sake of a Jew. Also, here's another example. It's completely dark in the room, and the goy puts on the candles. Put on the, I, I'm specifically saying candles because everybody agrees that candles are, lighting candles is assumed the oraita. Some even hold most electricity. Most opinions hold also that our electricity is also for Bimina Torah. So let's say you have a light bulb which most poskim hold. That's assumed the oraita to light. So the goy puts on the light in the room which is completely dark and now you're able to see in that room. You may not sit in that room and read 
because the guy has put it on for the sake of you, of a Jew. But not only you, but any Jewish person can have sat in that room and read because the Mlachat de Oraita was performed by a guy on Shabbat for the sake of a Jew. This is, these are two sm- small cases. Now, when are you allowed to have Hana'ah? When are you allowed to derive benefit from the Mlachat that the guy has done for you? Even though you didn't ask him, by the way. Even though you didn't ask him. And the answer is, Motei Shabbat. So had the goy warmed up water for you. Warming up water, cooking water for you, is Asumina Torah. Bishul is one of the Melachot. One of the 39 Melachot. The goy went ahead and he took a big pot of water. He knows that Motei Shabbat, you're planning to have this big party. And it's freezing cold outside. It's snowing. Everybody's going to come cold. And you're going to make this hot water. You need this hot water in order to make this delicious soup. But you need to boil the water. So the goy goes ahead and cooks water for you. So how long does it take for that pot of water to cook? If it takes an hour, you may not benefit from that cooked water until Motzei Shabbat, an hour after Motzei Shabbat. This is applicable not only for you, that means the person who was done for, it's also true for any other Jew. Second example. The goy took a pot of water and warmed it up for me. I'm the Balabite. My neighbor comes up from next door, and he says, hi, how are you doing? Oh, hot water. I need some hot water. This is on Shabbat. It's forbidden for them also. Okay, Motzei Shabbat, he comes in. I can't give it to him Motzei Shabbat either. I have to tell him, it was cooked by a goy. You have to wait the time it takes for the water to cook. In this case, an hour later. An hour after Shabbat is over. Let's say Shabbat is over at 6, so 7 o'clock. Then, every Jewish person, not only you, not only, even your neighbor, anybody, could have benefit from that hot water that was cooked on Shabbat. This is the halakha. The reasons for this halakha, we find two reasons in the poskim. Most opinions hold that the reason for this halakha is that, why is it? I didn't do, any, I didn't do anything. Did I ask the guy to cook for me? I didn't do anything. I didn't ask him, why should it be a surah that I shouldn't have hot water on Shabbat, that I shouldn't have benefited from the fire that he put on, or from the light that he put on? Nobody asked him. He did it on his own. And the answer is, we're scared that if we allow you to benefit from the melacha, from any forbidden thing that the Goy has done for you, you may come to ask him the next week. You may come to ask him even that Shabbat. You, the point is that we're scared you're going to come to ask him. That's the reason the Rambam brings and most we shouldn't bring. We find a second reason by Rashi. Rashi says, the reason why we're forbidding you from the water or from the light or from the fire that the Goy has done for you, even though you didn't ask him, it's because that you shouldn't benefit from any work that the Goy has done for a Jew on Shabbat. That is category number one. Category number one again is when a Goy does a melacha that's forbidden in the Torah for a Jew, no Jew may benefit from it until Motzei Shabbat, which means until the time it takes for that melacha to be performed. That's category number one. Category number two. When a Goy does something for you that's only forbidden midera banan. What does that mean? It's only forbidden midera banan. Well, this takes a little bit more knowledge, we need to know, we need to have more information, we need to say, you have to know one is Zerbanan, one is Zerbanan, let's take a case where it's Midrabanan, in a case where a person lives in a small little town where there's no street that qualifies as a street for Rishut Harabim, so let's say you live in a bungalow colony or, you know, live, you know, they happen to be there for Shabbat, even if you live there, you happen to be there for Shabbat, and the guy comes from the other bungalow colony to your bungalow colony so that he travels, he carries something from one bungalow colony to second bungalow colony. And the distance between them was further from the Tehum of Shabbat. So that's carrying on Shabbat. Besides, he's carrying in the Rishuta, you know, from Rishut to Rishut. Still, that is Asumad Rabbanan. He came from outside. He came all the way to your Tehum. He brought you something clearly brought it for the sake of a Jew. This is called the Melachad Rabbanan. It's forbidden for the Jew that was done for. That means he came to your house, knocked on your door. He says, here, I am bringing you a, whatever it may be, a gift, a present, whatever, I don't know what he's bringing you, a fruit platter. And the fruit platter, clearly the fruits were cut up from yesterday, and he's presenting it to you. You can't eat from that fruit platter today. What do you mean? You might say, I didn't, do, I didn't ask him, he came on his own. Still, he carried it for you. He carried it in an area which is only forbidden in the Rabbanan, you can't benefit from it. But anybody else, Anybody else that was not done for could benefit from it. What does that mean? Your neighbor comes in, he may have from the fruit platter. Because it wasn't done for your neighbor, it was done for you. If your children want to have from the fruit platter, it's also forbidden. Because when a guy is bringing you a present, 
When Goy is bringing you a fruit platter, he's not only bringing it for you, he knows you can't finish a whole fruit platter unless you're uh, specific dimensions, but in general, he's not bringing it for just for you. He knows he's bringing it for the you and the whole family, or if you want to serve it to other people. So if your neighbor comes in, he takes on his own, he's allowed to take, but for you to present it as if it's your own, you're benefiting from the melachah of the Goy, that's Asur. But this is again only in melachah de Rabbanan. So let's review. Melachah de Rabbanan, performed by Goy for a Jew, is forbidden for the Jew to benefit from it, but only the Jew that it was done for. Any other Jew, any other Jewish person, who is not in this picture, that means the Goy didn't have them in mind, if it's Melachah de Rabbanan, they're allowed to benefit from it. Good? So this, now we come back over here. Now you're going to ask, so if you're telling me, I can't tell a Goy what to do on Shabbat, and I can't have Hana'ah from going to what to do on Shabbat. Where in the world does this whole thing come with hinting to the goy? It's dark in here. Uh, you telling me I gave it? If he comes on his own, I can't even Hana'ah. And now over here, you tell me even Ben Yisai, you can't even hint. But then you tell me there's a case where you could hint. So make up your mind: could you hint to the goy? Could you not hint to the goy? When can you hint to the goy? Good question. And let's answer it like this. The cases of benefiting from the goy's melachah for the sake of a Jew, whether it's Zeorait or Derabanan, if, like we just listed, it's always going to be Asur. Whether you hinted to him, told it to him, or he did it on his own. It's always going to be Asur for you to, it's forbidden for you to benefit from it. The only thing is, if you tell the goy to do something for you, then you're transgressing in the Derabanan of commanding a goy. If you hint to him, could also be trans, transgressing in Isud Rabbanan, of communicating to a Goy. If he does it on his own, you have not violated anything because the Goy did it on his own, but you may not derive benefit from it. When could you be Menamis to a Goy? When could you hint to a Goy? And the answer is you can hint to the Goy in the following case. In a case where you are not getting a clear benefit, or, or a direct benefit, let's call it. See, I'm translating from Hebrew to English, so I may not get the exact words, you forgive me. But basically, you cannot get a direct uh, new benefit from the goy, from the goy's melacha. That is when hinting is mutar. Let me give you the case, it'll be clear with the case. I don't think the words actually fit. The case is as follows. If you are in a room where the light was on, but the light was not so, you know, not, let's say you have a dimmer, or if you're in a room which has many light switches, and only one light was on. So, could you sit in the room? Yes. You could even sit in darkness. Could you read in the room? And it says, yes, I could read in the room, but, you know, it's hard to read, so it's not so comfortable to read. Uh, let's be honest. Yeah, I want to be in the room where it's completely lit. So, in such a scenario, you may hint to the goy, you could be made a mess of the goy, by telling him, it's dark in here. That is a hint, which is not in the form of a command, which is permitted to benefit from when the goy does something for you. Meaning, I'm sitting in the room, there's four switches, and I need another five switches to go on. So that means, 40, uh, six, six switches to go on. 40% of the room is lit. I could sit in here, I could read anyway, but I would like it, you know, it's Shabbat, and the Shekhinah, and the light, and the, all the funny, all the things that the Zohar speaks about. I want it to be very lit in here. That's how I like my Shabbat. My kids played with the lights, whatever it may be. Now, six switches are off. I call in the Goyen, I say, you know, it's very dark in here. And the Goyen on his own understands, and puts on the other six switches. I could benefit from it. I could still remain in the room. I could still read in the room. Why? He hasn't added anything more. I was able to read beforehand. He just enhanced it. There was already light. He just enhanced the light. Also, my hint, my remez, was not a direct command. That means, I didn't tell him, oh, could you maybe stretch out your arms right next to the light switch over there? I didn't talk to Paran. I just said, stretch out your arms next to the light switch. Well, that means he understands. I'm, I'm commanding him in that way. Even though I'm not commanding him directly to put on the light, that would be Amira. I only hinted to him. A hint in the form of a command is Asur. What I did over here, what I said is, it's dark in here. So that saying, it's dark in here, and the Goyan understands on his own, oh, he needs more light. He didn't command me. Then he puts on the light for you, 
In that case, where there was already light, then it's mutar. And that's really what the Ben Ishai is saying over here. The Ben Ishai is saying over here, in the case where the Goy came on Shabbat, you can't tell the Goy, go and catch him, because you're commanding him. You could hint, Shabbat, you come to the judge and you say, hey, Mr. Judge, why don't you stop the guy last week? You're not saying any command. You're asking him a question. You may have missed him. He understands on his own to do it on Shabbat, the next Shabbat, He's not doing Melachad Raita, he's stopping whatever he's doing, he's stopping him to be maybe perhaps Dirabanan, but he's not doing it, right? He's Melachad uh, over there. Then in that form, in that case, it is Mutar to be Melamez to the Goy. Like we said before, all the rules of hinting to a Goy are not here. The real halakhot are in Parashat Terumah. And there, whereas that same, we spend much more time on it. I brought out the case, specific case of hinting to a goy where it's completely dark because I know a lot of people stumble upon it. I know a lot of people make that mistake. They think if you just hint to the goy, it's automatically mutar. A goy does on his own. First of all, you have to know not every hinting is correct. And even if the hinting is done in the proper way, according to halakha, the melakha itself could sometimes be asur. Like we said, it could be asur even without the goy's hint. So we need to pay special attention to it. Up to here, is, I believe, enough from the halakha and halakha tet of what we need. We'll move on now to the next halakha, halakha yud in the Ben Hai, And it seems to me something that was very common in Ben Hai. He talks about over here, telling, <coughs> telling a goy, telling a goy, all these cases seem to be things with goyim and taking them to courts for money that they owe. It seems to be something that was very common in his days. Let's go to halakha yud. Let's have a case where a goy was arrested before Shabbat and he's staying on Shabbat in a jail because he owes money to the Jew. In the olden days, that's uh, how they did it. Here, you have to hire, and nowadays you have to go hire a lawyer and then go pay the lawyer tons of money until you chase after the guy, you bring him to court, and then after you bring him to court, and then maybe you'll win, and even if you win, it's really a settlement, and you get half your money, and even then, you can't collect your money, because you have to hire the collection agency, and pay them the other half of the money that you are really owed, so by the time you collect half your debt, you pretty much spent more that money, so why do people do it? I don't know, kavod or whatever, maybe. In any case, back then, if a guy owes you money, they arrested him. That's how they did in all the country. They put him in jail until he pays you money. Now, in such a case, let's say you have the guy is arrested because of you. He owes you money. So the Jew could tell the judge that if the judge wants, you don't have to keep the guy in jail. You let it accept something else as a collateral. You can take something else in its place. But you can't tell him to write it down. Write down that this person came and he gave me this collateral until he pays me my money. He's not getting back his collateral. Because you're commanding a goy to write. Commanding a goy to write, according to most opinions, is asur. Writing, according to most opinions, is asum de oraita. Even though it's one of the 39 milachot, there is one opinion that says if it's a different language, it may be, muta, uh, it may be only asur de rabbanan. However, that's not the opinion of the majority of the poskim. Majority of Rishonim hold that writing is forbidden in any language, in any font. doesn't make a difference if it's Times New Roman or Arial. It doesn't make a difference. Any language, any font, it is forbidden in the Torah. So to, for you to tell a Goy to write for you, something for you, it's Asur, if the writing is done for you. However, if the Goy is writing something, if the judge, in this case, for his own personal notes, he writes it down. For his own personal notes, even though it's really your case, it's fine. You don't have to worry about it. Why? Because in such a case, he's not writing for you. He's writing for himself. What do you mean? I, it's my case. Yeah, but the judge doesn't want to forget it. The judge sees 100 people a day. You're just number 48. So he's not going to remember your case. He wants to write it down. You never told him to write He's taking his own personal notes. That's mutar. Before we finish Alaka, we'll go into another example. Let's give you another example where such a scenario, and this is a very practical, applicable case. People are sometimes away. They go away for Shabbat, for the holidays, whatever it may be. I think there's vacation now. We just came off winter vacation. So let's say, imagine you're in a hotel, and 
you go downstairs, and they have over there, they have um, a place where you can get drinks. And you can get drinks. The only thing is they ask you, what room are you in? And you tell them, I'm in room, whatever it may be, I'm in room 48. And the guy on his own writes down that you took three cups, uh, let's not use tea, you took three cups of soda, took two bottles of Snapple. He's writing it down. That's fine. That's none of your business. Why? You're not buying it on Shabbat. What they do is they write it down and they send you the bill after Shabbat. Usually you're asking the guy for something that's mutar, you're asking for a cup of soda. And he's giving you a can of Coca-Cola or Sprite, whatever you like, or Snapple. And diet, that is. And you're getting your diet Snapple and the guy wants to remind himself that he shouldn't forget to charge you. So he writes it down. He's not writing for you. In fact, you don't want him to write. You want him to forget. You want to have that free Snapple. Because in the hotel, they're going to charge you $10 for a Snapple. So, in this case, where the guy is writing in the hotel room, he's writing down what your room number is. And that he, you took three Snapples. And he's writing it down. That is for his own sake. Even though writing in general is a Sumina Torah. And the guy, you can't tell the guy to write for you. In the case where the goy is writing for his own sake, it's mutar, like the case that Ben Shai brings over here. The goy is recording something on paper. The judge in this case is recording something on paper, not for you, but for himself, not to forget what the ruling that he gave. Let's continue now in Allah. Says Ben Shai, but this whole thing of going to the goy and to the judge and telling him to stop or to let out the prisoner and all these things, Zedavka Behecha Sheyaboli Psida. That's only where it might cause you some financial loss. asur. If there's no financial loss in such a case, meaning, if the guy could stay in jail and you're still going to get your money back, and it's not going to affect you, you're not going to lose any money, then you can't just go ahead and do your businesses on Shabbat. Also, you can't hold somebody else's possessions in somebody another Jew's hand because of this. So basically, this is something we discussed beforehand. That's assuming because of Mimetzoh Hefzecha. Mimetzoh Hefzecha means to do something that otherwise would have been mutar, but you're doing it for the purpose of business or whatever it may be. Over here, you're exchanging. If I would come to your house and it's all of a sudden it starts raining, could you give me a... Uh, and I have a wool coat, you know. He said, no, you can't walk out in the rain in the wool coat because it ruins the lining on the inside and it doesn't, you know, comes out very, it ruins your coat. So now I want to exchange my winter coat, my wool winter coat for a rain jacket that you have in your house because it'll protect me, it'll protect my suit on Shabbat. Can I do that? 100%. But when it's being done over there for the sake of business, then you'll come into problems. So that's what we're talking about over here. If you're doing it for the sake of business, or something clearly looks like you're doing it for the sake of business, even though you're not speaking about it, you're only thinking about it, but that could be a problem with Tzohav Tzicha. We didn't discuss so much the dinim of Tzohav Tzicha, we discussed it in short, but in the general rule of the Isur of Tzohav Tzicha that says in the Pasuk, is anytime you're doing something that's distinguishable, that's for the sake of basically the sake of uh, non-Shabbat things, that's something that the thing what they're doing it for is sur, then you cannot do it on Shabbat. Let's give you an example of this. The Halakha says, let's give you first a question. Let's say a person is walking down the street and he gets tired. He wants to sit down. The only thing that he sees to be able to sit down is a bench by a bus stop. A lot of bus stops have little benches and he wants to sit there and rest. Is a mutar? And the answer is, yeah, it's mutar to sit there. Why? Because you're taking a break. You're not doing anything wrong. Oh, people might think, well, let them think. What can I do? I have to, I, I'm tired. I need to sit down. However, being that, most probably when people see me sitting by a bus stop, they're thinking that maybe I'm waiting for the bus. Now, nobody thinks I'm going to go on the bus now, but I'm waiting really. They know me as a religious Jew. I got my beard and all, you know, and I got my kippah. But they know that I'm going to wait. They, I'm waiting by the bus stop until Motzei Shabbat comes. So when Motzei Shabbat comes right away, I want to get on that first bus out of the city, and I want to go to a different city. I'm waiting by the bus stop, sitting by a bus stop, for the first bus to come right when Shabbat is over. Since I'm sitting on Shabbat, and it looks like, clearly looks like, when I sit on the bus stop, that I'm waiting for the bus. You know, I'm not doing technically anything wrong. I'm not saying anything. I'm not uh, performing any melakha. I don't have my luggage with me. I don't have any bags with me. I'm just sitting by a bus stop. 
Since it's distinguishable, it clearly looks, my act of sitting down on the bus stop, waiting for the first bus to leave on Motei Shabbat, it looks like I'm preparing myself for Motei Shabbat to leave on the bus, it will also be forbidden. That's a halakha. It may not be so applicable in New York City, where the buses, you know, most people don't use buses as transportation, but it's very applicable in Israel. In Israel, most people use the buses for transportation, not the cars, but buses. And you're getting away by the bus stop. And the buses are running, and you want to take the first bus out of, out of uh, you know, first bus after Motei Shabbat out of the city to catch whatever you need to catch. You cannot do something that shows clear that you're waiting to get out, that you're preparing yourself to get on that bus, such as sitting by the bus stop, waiting around the bus stop, because... Your action is distinguishable that you're doing mitzvah you're doing your needs on Shabbat, even though you're not performing any melacha. In this case over here also, you're going and you're dealing with the, with the courts and the judge and the police for your business dealings. They're only allowed if it's extremely, you know, there's a big financial loss and there's no other way to get around it, then they, they have a special hitter. But otherwise, in a regular case, a person has to be careful and not to do such, not to go and do such things. Halakha yud alif. Imyesh lerubin al adam ehad polisa, which means uh, basically uh, a document against him. Shabbat alom ehad al adam ehad is man yadua. I guess what we call a summons. V'zeh adam shabbat alav polisa lo para bizman piraun. So now this is a little complicated. I think we're going to skip this halakha. Okay, let's do halakha yud bet. Because case halakha yud alif is halakha which is not really applicable in our days. Because in our days, we don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I, I don't remember the last time I heard of such a case in our days. Ben Shai brings it, but we don't have such a thing in our days, so we're just going to skip it. Halakha yud bet. In Balokitab a telegraph beyond Shabbat, the Golom Solo Otto, Laisael, Elijah, Tombao, Tamsalo, and Nayala Kabrasha, Vilok and Nahug. If a person gets a delivery on Shabbat, and this happens so often, people get deliveries on Shabbat. Why do people get deliveries on Shabbat? Well, it could be for a number of reasons. It could be because you order something online, it could be you order something to come for you on Shabbat. So, as a general rule, you cannot order something from a store or from whatever, from a goy, and have it delivered for you on Shabbat. If you specify that it's going to come on Shabbat, that's asur, lemasha. If you order something online, and they have, I think, an overnight delivery, or the next day delivery will be exactly by your doorstep the next day, within 24 hours, and you ordered this on Friday, you know it's going to be delivered on Shabbat, that's forbidden, you cannot do that. Same thing, it's not only if you order on Friday, if you tell the guy, if you tell the guy from a while ago, you tell him that I'm ordering something from you on Shabbat, and I want you to deliver it for me, whatever, and the day comes out on Shabbat, that's forbidden, because here you're commanding the guy to do something for you. You can't say, no, I ordered he's delivering it. Yeah, but you told him to come on Shabbat. Or you knew that it's going to come out on Shabbat, that's forbidden. Even if you don't mention the word Shabbat, even if you don't mention the word Shabbat, it's still forbidden. However, if you order something, and it happens to be they deliver it on Shabbat, and there's no way you could control it. Uh, we all know that when you order something online, they deliver whenever they can. Even though they tell you, if you choose the you know, higher money, if you take the better shipping or you know, option, we'll have it for you in five days. But otherwise, you're going to have it in two weeks. We all know that you'll get it pretty much the same thing, between five and in seven days, anyway, you're going to get it. And you never know where you're going to get it. Sometimes you'll get it in five days, sometimes you'll get it in four days. It's not something that you're paying for, so it's not guaranteed that it's going to come or not on Shabbat. In that case, if it comes to you on Shabbat, you'll have to receive it, but, but you have to be careful now afterwards. Once upon a time, they used to make you sign. Every time they delivered something, they used to make you sign. I don't remember the last time I was asked, and we ordered a lot of things online. We have uh, a lot of things we can't go out, uh, in, my, in my family, we can't go out to shop and do, so a lot of things are ordered online. I don't remember the last time I was asked to sign something. But, let's say you have such a case. That's the Benish highest case over here. The delivery is made on Shabbat, not because you prompted it, not because you asked for it, 
It just happens to have come on Shabbat. And now they won't give it to you. It says over here, they won't give it to you unless you sign. So of course you have to declare. You're not allowed to sign. But in the Benish highest case, so now if they claim you're going to have to come pick it up, okay, you can't sign. You can't sign for something on Shabbat. Remember, writing according to majority of opinions, writing even in the foreign language, that's with the writer. Even according to other ones, it's just with the man. You can't do this with the man on Shabbat, especially the way they have the signatures today. It's electronic. So the Benish however, in their days, they wanted to confirm that whoever is writing it, is, is, whoever is receiving it is the one who is supposed to receive it by a signature. So Ben Yishai gave a special heter, he says, that the Jew should have a signature that's already, basically a piece of paper that's already signed, but write it in a foreign language. Have it already written in a foreign language. It shouldn't be in Hebrew. Like we mentioned before, according to the majority of opinions, the majority of opinions hold that writing, even in any language, is Asumun HaTorah. There are minority of opinions led by the Orzarua, and those, there's a few other more, others that uh, that Hamadiyah brings down, that hold that writing in the foreign language may be Derabanan. I think the Rama also goes with it as well. It's Derabanan. So therefore, according to those, she taught at least, at least according to them, which I goy to telegraph when the goy delivers with the delivery for you, call him Shemserenu Le'ado in Ni'ah Lefanav, excuse me, call him Shemserenu Le'ado, before the Goy gives it to you, Ni'ah Lefanav Goy Ta'chotam Ha'hu B'Shtika, V'Goy Mebim Ha'atmo V'Ka'a Ha'atam Ha'akaka, V'Yahtom Bo'at Ni'ah Kabbalah V'Lechlo. He should leave it for him, prepared for the Goy, that this way the Goy sees the signature right next to him, and he'll take the signature afterwards, he'll use it to sign, he'll use it to stamp, whatever it may be. Basically, you're Merames to the Goy, here's another form of Remez, Here's a form of remez where it's going to otherwise concur a big financial loss. Benish has mativit only why? Because there's no other option. Like we said, in our days, practically in our days, almost always when you order something and you say, I cannot sign it, it's my Sabbath, they respect it and they leave it alone. If in any case they tell you, no, we need to take it back, we're gonna, you're going to have to pick it up or you're going to have to order it again, that's what you have to do. You can't sign. You can't even have it sign for you. You just take it. Most of the time, by the way, even if you don't answer the door, they leave it by your front door. So in our days, most of the things that you order, let's review again. If you're ordering things to be delivered to your house, if you have control to avoid delivery on Shabbat, then that's what must be done. If you don't have control to avoid delivery on Shabbat, which means it's not your option, you're just telling them to deliver it, and they can tell you two weeks, or they can tell you seven to eleven days, and at the end of the day, it'll come anytime. And it happens to be that it's delivered for you on Shabbat. Let the goy put it down. You don't take it from his hand. A lot of times, even if you don't answer the door, they just drop it by your house. And everybody knows that they're not doing it. Nobody's going to suspect you that you made sure that UPS delivers it to your house on, on Shabbat. Everybody knows. You order things, and they just come whenever they want. So you don't have that problem of accepting it. But you do have the problem if they ask you to sign, and you have to say, I cannot sign. And if you have to pick it up, you have to pick it up. But most of the time, you don't have such a problem. Just tell them, I can't sign, or just let them drop the box on their own, and that will be fine with that. We have 15 minutes. Anybody would like to call in for a question, or text in the question, which is probably better, text it to 347-927-8398, or you could call 718-683-5858. Halakha Yud Gimel. Here we get one. The next Halakha. You know, I'm going to jump to Halakha Tedvav because it's connected a little bit. It's connected a little bit to what we just said. So a little bit out of order, but it's connected to what we just said. Halakha Tedvav says, Goy Shekana Sehoram Misrael. Now let's do it the other way. Now the Goy purchased something from a Jew. And now the Goy wants to take it from your house on Shabbat. The purchase was made before Shabbat. He came to your house, you have some old, I don't know, some old uh, furniture. It doesn't have to be furniture, it could be something small. You have an old watch, you had the garage sale. And the Goy came, he liked what he saw, he paid you the money. He wants to take it now on Shabbat. Even there's a around and there's no problem of carrying, 
asur. Why? Because it looks like you're selling it to him on Shabbat. It looks like you're giving it to him to carry on Shabbat, and that will be asur. Also, nowadays, they have people coming, doing pickups on Shabbat. Even though you hired them from before Shabbat, you can't allow them to come to your house and pick up the deliveries. Even though the guy is doing it for his own sake, the guy is coming to do his job, he doesn't care about you anymore. He wants to get paid from the company. And because it's still at a suspicion that it doesn't look good, people see the guy taking something from your house on Shabbat. That is a big problem, and it's Asur on Shabbat. So let's make it a little bit practical. Sometimes you order things from certain uh, websites. Let's use uh, Amazon; it's very popular. And then it's, you get you don't like what you received, whether it's damage, whether it's uh, whatever it may be. You receive something that you don't like, and you want to return it. So the process is that you call them up and you tell them, "I'm not happy with my purchase," and they say, "Okay, it's not a problem. We're gonna send you a sticker." And you're going to put that sticker on the box. You put back the merchandise in the box. Make sure everything is intact. You didn't throw out anything else. Put it in the box. Put the sticker on it. And we're going to send UPS to pick it up from your house. Unbelievable customer service. You don't even have to take it to the next place. We're going to send you UPS to your door to pick it up. This happens. It happened to me. Again, if you, you have to tell them not to come on Shabbat. You have to tell them, please, I'm not home on Saturdays. I cannot do it on Saturday, whatever it may be. In case you forgot and they came on Shabbat, you can't allow them to come and take it from your house on Shabbat because it looks like they're coming and working for you and like you command them, you told them to come and take it for you on Shabbat. It's not like the case of a delivery. In case of delivery, everybody knows these guys come randomly. And even over here, it may say, oh, but it's possible that people will know that it comes random. It's not the same. It's not like the other case. The case where the, they're bringing to you the case where they bring you the delivery on Shabbat, I mean, is 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 a case that everybody knows that the goyim work. The companies send out whenever it comes to your house, it comes. But over here, that they're picking up from your house, you have more control of it. You could tell them, you could deny them from picking it up. So the fact that you haven't stopped them from picking up your package on Shabbat, it becomes a problem. And here we have a question. Can the Goy sign the package for you on Shabbat? The Goy may not sign the package for you on Shabbat, like we said. Signing, writing, is Asur min Torah. Writing in a foreign language, which is the signatures accepted here in America, which is, you know, English, is Asur midoraita according to majority of opinions. According to some opinions, signing in a foreign language, that means any language other than Hebrew is Asur Midera Banan. So therefore, in such a case where the Goy is going to sign for you, even though it's going to be in English, according to majority of opinions, it's Asur Midera so you're telling a Goy to do something Asur Midera and according to the others, it's still Asur Midera Banan. To tell a Goy to do an Isur Midera Banan is only permitted in specific cases. And I'm not sure exactly what the case may be over here, if it's going to be uh, a big financial loss or just... No financial loss, just a little bit of uncomfortableness. You can't just tell the goy randomly, oh, just sign for me. You could say, listen, I can't sign, do whatever you like. And the goy does whatever he likes. Even though he may end up signing, but you didn't tell him to sign. He's doing it because he just doesn't want to, whatever he, you know, he's, he's thinking either to make his life easier, he doesn't want to come back again for you. He's doing it mostly for himself. You couldn't care less. You know, you're telling him, I, I can't sign for you. You want to do whatever you like, do whatever you like. I can't do anything more. So that you could do first, but you cannot command the Goy to sign for you on Shabbat. That is Halakha Tedvav. We will get to Halakha Yud Gimel, and I believe we'll finish with the time that we have. And again, if anybody would like to ask a question off the air, we'll be here for another 5-10 minutes right after the class, and the number to the studio is 718-683-5858. Maybe we we'll just wait till after the class and we we'll finish this halakha yud gimel and then if you have any questions you can call into the station. Halakha yud gimel. Imbalo get hatuma. Let's say you received the letter on Shabbat. And you need to know what it says inside of it. And this, we've discussed this in 
the halachot of Shtarihid Yotot. And we mentioned over there that letters, if it comes on Jabbat and you feel it's an emergency that they need to inform you and you need to see what it says inside, so you have heter to read it on Shabbat according to the deen of Shohan Aruch. However, it's not such an easy heter. Why? Because the heter is built on the following. It's built on the fact that it could be something that's an emergency that you need to know. So Moshe Feinstein already knocks out this heter in our days. You know why? He says in our days, if a person wants to contact you, contact you because of an emergency, he's not going to send a letter. The letter is the last thing that he'll do if it's an emergency. You know what a person is going to do? He's going to call you. He's going to call you or he's going to text you, email you. Email may be, you know, may be slow, but it's definitely faster than sending a letter. So therefore, in our days, any letters that come on Shabbat, besides the fact that most probably all these letters are they're not coming from a person that needs to tell you vital information that's prevalent to uh, your life being or your, your physical well-being. So any letter that comes to you on Shabbat, you cannot have the goy open it. You cannot have the goy uh, rip up the envelope for you. You can't even read that letter, even if it was the envelope was ripped already. Why? Because of the problem of Shadahed Yotot. Only if it's the Torah, it's something else. But if it's not the Torah, they fall under the category of Shadahed Yotot. To command the goy to open it for you, again, you'll find the Heterim in Halakha, but when you try to apply it, in our days it's not applicable. Because... Nobody is going to inform you of an emergency through a letter. So although the Benishai talks about the letters, I wanted to point it out. That that's in their days. In our days, if a person... The hetero, excuse me, let's review. A hetero of telling you... Or the hetero, excuse me. A hetero of reading something off a letter, or reading from a letter that was delivered on Shabbat, is because it may contain vital information that could be emergency. And this is not shayach today. This is not relevant in our days because people will inform you in different ways. We're going to stop over here at the end of Halachayud Gimel. Next week, we're going to jump to Halachayud Dalit and we'll jump to next Halachot, Halachatet Zayin and finish the parasha. Oh, actually, no. Next week is Tubishvat. Sorry. Next week, we're going to speak about Halachot of Berachot. A special class on Halachot Berachot. That'll be next week. And... The week after that, we'll continue and we'll finish the halakhot of Parashah Vishachah Vamehalakum. And Mazat Hashem, hopefully, we'll continue from there. The other laws, the other halakhot of how to deal with the goy on Shabbat, and that is really when it's much more practical, much more applicable in those cases. And Mazat Hashem, hopefully, we'll give it the right time. We thank you for joining us, and we thank Iran and JRU Radio staff for everything that they do and they constantly do with us and everybody else. We'll see you guys at the same next week. This class will be aired on again tonight on jradio.com at 11 p.m. If you'd like to call in right now for the question, for any questions or comments, call at 718-683-5858 or text at 347-927-8398. Until next week, have a wonderful week. Shabbat Shalom and Hashem shall bless you with everything that you do and somehow with everything.